Let's talk sports and welcome to the grind. And good Wednesday to you and welcome inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser and you're listening to the Wednesday edition of The Grind. About put it a day ahead. Don't want to do that. Wednesday edition of The Grind. As we, we kind of grind it out here midweek as Tennessee comes off a, a, a needed victory against Vanderbilt and then also does some nice things. Uh, to get there. There there was some question marks, but I think that's a the calling card for this team, and we'll work through those points as the day progresses. Also, LeBron James speaks out about the Major League Baseball sign-stealing scandal and the question of should the Astro players be punished. We'll talk a little bit about that. And then also, John Beeline, former Michigan basketball head coach, uh, out as the Cleveland Cavaliers head basketball coach. Here's the situation with that. Uh, He said he's expected to say goodbye to coaches and staff and players later this afternoon. But the story's on ESPN.com. So uh, maybe not the best of relationships there. Uh, Maybe not the best of transitions. And quickly, tenure for John Beeline in in the national Basketball Association is over as a 67-year-old former Michigan head basketball coach will uh, will regroup and we'll see where he surfaces next. I assume he will head back to the college ranks at the end of the season. So we'll see exactly how that shakes up. But for Tennessee, they fend off the Commodore 65-61 to uh, as they sweep the Vandy series this season, beating them for the sixth consecutive time on Tuesday night. The Vols now 15-11, 7-6 in conference play, fend off a furious late push by the Commodes, as my little boy was calling them, uh, to secure the home victory. Senior Jordan Bowden and junior John Fulkerson led the Big Orange with 17 big points. Each Fulkerson, who recorded 16 of those points in the second half, all also accounted for seven rebounds and three Timely blocks, marking the third time this season that he's recorded three rejections, a season high. Jordan Wright came off the bench to lead Vandy in scoring, posting 23 points. He was a nice player, and Tennessee shot 42% from the field on the night. While both teams struggled early, uh, the Vols held a 9-2 advantage just six minutes into the matchup. It was it was an ugly first few minutes, which seems to be the calling card the last few weeks for Tennessee. Uh, but nonetheless got uh, to a 9-2 advantage, along with some good defensive play by Josiah Jordan-James as he started last night uh, and was able to get some hops early to get four big rebounds in the first six minutes of play. A three-pointer by the, the doors made it uh, made it a closer contest, and then Bowden's second triple of the night narrowed Tennessee's deficit to just two um, and, and and had had to stop a Vandy run that had sat at 10-0. The game was tied 28-28. Uh, at halftime, Bowden leading the Vols with scoring at 12. 
Uh, Eve Pons, a SEC Defensive Player of the Year candidate, was three or five from the field at the half and had, uh, and had been a kind of a little bit of absence as I think they had schemed away from his blocking ability. In a back-and-forth start uh, in the second half, Commodore's basket six – a Commodore basket uh, six minutes into the half uh, brought the game to a tie for the fifth time on the night. Just prior to the 12 media break, Santiago Vescovi jumped – jumper snapped a 9-0 run by the Commodores. Midway through the second half, Bowden and Fulkerson converted three-point plays on consecutive possessions, then quick – Scoring cut the basket uh, by Jalen Johnson and Fulkerson allowed the Vols to maintain some momentum. TBA came alive after Tennessee uh, block on two straight possessions and a layup by Fulkerson off the feed from Vescovi. The series would follow by a three-point made by Vescovi, giving Tennessee an eight-point lead. At that point, Tennessee felt like they were in the driver's seat and was welling to uh, to run this one on out. Vescovi darted to the rim and finished. Uh, just over four minutes remaining, he finished the night with 14 points on 5-11 shooting. A dunk by Pons topped a, 20, a commanding 26-8 Tennessee run down the stretch, giving the Vols a 61-48 advantage. And that's where Tennessee would have been excited. But as Vandy storms back, Tennessee has to knock down two clutch Free throws by Jordan Bowden uh, to to seal the deal and get the victory over the Commodores, 65-61. to 61. Uh, so, Some key points from the game takeaways, and because, again, this team's hard to watch. You know, and, and I think f- people who casually listen to this show would be like, wow, he's being awful tough on them. No, no, it's not, it's not my game. I'm just really honest. They're tough to watch at times. They they miss open passes. They don't they don't see the lanes. They they hesitate and and don't drive when the lanes open. And then when they decide to do so, the lane is completely shut. But there are some some good key takeaways uh, to this matchup. And 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 I'll kind of go over just a, just a handful of these uh, as we go. Santiago Vescovi. I think you look at it. He dishes out five or six. Five assists in in the matchup and has done that in five of the last six games. The freshman sensation logged seven assists uh, in Tuesday's win, his second highest assist total of the season. Santiago Vescovi is a smart basketball player. A lot of people question his defensive prowess, and I think it's limited. I think he's slower on the defensive end because he doesn't want to get in foul trouble. He understands his importance on the other side of the ball. And so with that, a little anticipation, a little, a little hesitation, uh, leads to to a slow to slow feet, and I think that's that's one thing you got to give up. But Santiago Vescovi sees the floor as good as anybody right now that plays in the Orange. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that's next level great. I'm just saying he is the piece that you've got to work around. Uh, Santiago Vescovi's doing a really good job, and to think that he's just been playing for Tennessee for about a month and a half. Uh, again, was able to go there early in, in, in January, and, and now we're sitting at February the 19th. You do the math, you do the number of games he's played, and he's already uh, what I would call uh, the person that we're building this team around. Jordan Bowden, 
Uh, he got 17 points last night, perfect 7 for 7 from the free throw stripe, and none bigger than his two clinching free throws to end the basketball game. And he scored 16 or more points in four of UT's past five games. I don't know that he's out of the slump yet. You look at his three-point shot, it's still way off. He actually airballed one long. He hit the front of the rim. It popped straight up and came right back down through the net. And and like I told my father-in-law, you got to take luck with skill. (laughs) You've got to be happy with those that roll uh, against those that don't. But I do think he's finding a different way to score. And I think that's kind of a, a side caveat to coaching that we're, we're, we're looking for and maybe we're seeing, but we're not seeing. You know, I don't know that we're putting that in into the, to the mix, into the, the, the scenario. Uh, I think Jordan Bowden's doing what he needs to do to score. I think between he and Fulkerson, they're, they're laying down a really good foundation for really you need one additional player to get up in those, in those minutes and up into those points. Fulkerson stays at 15-plus, Bowden stays at 15-plus, and then you just wait on who the third person is going to be to come up there and meet them. Night in, night out, it can be Viscovi, it can be Pons, uh, it can be Josiah James. Uh, It can move along and move around, uh, but they need that third person to get up there. And I think Bowden solidifying himself over the last few weeks as a 15-plus point scorer helps this basketball team tremendously. Now, does it win? Does it win four out of the last five? Does it? Does it even win like two out of the last five? I don't know. I think you got to put some pieces together to get that done. But I think between that and the defensive presence that Eve Pons has brought to the basketball floor, uh, this is a team. Again, my goal was is by the end of the season, this be a team nobody wants to play. And I think we show flashes of that team in the second half against against Vanderbilt last night, there was about a six- or seven-minute stretch where Vandy didn't want to be on the floor, and we were eating them up. If I'm not mistaken, they used two timeouts in the second half within about a four-minute stretch because they had zero answers. They couldn't stop John Fulkerson. They couldn't get a shot off because of Fulkerson or Eve Ponds, and then they could not understand what Vescovi was going to do with it. Uh, They got a couple turnovers in that stretch, but Tennessee came down, played sound defense, and forced them to either take a bad shot or turn it over. That's what Tennessee has to be. Tennessee's not going to be the high-flying, you know, ball movement, get an open corner three and knock it down just yet. I think we're getting those pieces. I think, you you know, you bring in these two four-stars with what we've got, and this could be not a kind of good team, not a really good team, but a great team. Uh, this this team coming in would not only have star power, but would have uh, uh, pressure removed that has been sitting on the shoulders of this team all year. I, I think when you come in to your sophomore season, you've seen a lot, you've done a lot, you know how to work out in the offseason, you know what to do uh, on the on the practice court, and I think you've done a lot lot to to continue to do that. And I think Eve Ponds and and. Uh, and John Fulkerson coming back as seniors uh, could be uh, one of the bigger successes of Tennessee basketball. But Eve Ponds, uh, talk about him a little bit. 8.6 rebounds uh, in a quiet night, really, for Eve Ponds, the, the, the flying Frenchman. And as he extends his ex- impressive streak to 26 games with a block, it was quiet. Honestly, I had to check the stats there halfway through the game to make sure he'd gotten one. 
because he, he had just been pretty quiet. And uh, scoring, he does what he can. He has a great follow-away shot right there about 10 foot from the goal. And uh, and I think he, he uses that uh, to his advantage. I think his physicality allows people to play off of him enough to where he has that shot to take all the time. And it's just can he knock it down. And, and he's doing a lot better job at that recently. But you want to look at the stat line from, from last night. I, I, I think it tells a good tale. Uh, Tennessee battles uh, what was a kind of a fury there from Vandy. They didn't hit a three-pointer when we played them in Nashville. And, and that's kind of their thing. You know, they normally stack houses, kind of build them. Vandy has always had a little bit of a shooter. And the fact that in Nashville we break a streak that was, I can't remember, several decades old and and shut them out from the three-point line. I knew they were going to come into TBA and want to get that off their chest early and often. They do just that. But Tennessee battles. And at the end of 20 minutes, when it's knotted up at 28, I, I looked at my father-in-law and said, listen, that's a new game. That's fine. There's no hole to dig out of. There's no. There's no lead to lose. Uh, but but there's no there's no hole to dig out of. And so I was like, Tennessee just has to win the last twenty minutes. They don't have to look back and go, man, I wish I'd have done this. Man, I wish I'd have done that. Which there was plenty of those moments. But they just had to get a little bit better on the last twenty minutes. I thought, like I said, they had about a seven minute stretch where where they could have played with anybody in the country. And uh, and they make the difference, you know that that big run that Tennessee had allowed Vandy to claw back, and not for it to to cause a loss for for the Big Orange. Fifteen eleven on the season, seven and five in conference play, maybe the more critical number, and a gauntlet that is uh, the last five games of the schedule: two Auburns, a Kentucky, a Florida, and an Arkansas. So I, I think uh, Tennessee's on a pitch count; they've got to win. They've got to win some of these games. And, and and I know people are like, well, I don't know how anybody can expect uh, Tennessee to win. I expect them to win. Uh, that That's the that's the, the fan in me. Uh, that's that's what I see uh, in, in those moments. And that's what, what I hope, hope happens. I think last night they did a really good job of limiting the starters for Vanderbilt. Uh, the only two starters that were in double, double figures were Saban Lee, on 33 minutes, he had 18 points. And Dylan DeSue, 24 minutes, 11 points. The The big scorer was 27 minutes and 23 points out of Jordan Wright off the bench. But I thought otherwise uh, limited the Vanderbilt bench and their starters as those three players in double figures. And then there was only two other scorers, one with four and one with two. So a lot of, a lot of successful defense uh, by the Big Orange. If you look at Vandy, the first half they shot near 36%, and in the second half consistency, nearly 37%. From the three-point line, uh, they shot 36% in the first half, 25% in the second. Uh, Shot 16 of those guys, only four of those fell in the second half. Uh, Big empty possessions that Tennessee took advantage of, and uh, 85% from the free throw line for the night. So that did not kill them. Uh, down the stretch as they only missed two free throws all night, 11 of 13 uh, in that regard. On Tennessee's side of things, Jordan Bowden had 37 minutes, 17 points. John Fulkerson, 31 minutes, 17 points. Santiago Vescovi, 38 minutes, 14 points. Eve Pons, 38 minutes, 8 points. 
Josiah Jordan-James, 13 minutes but no points, but he did have five rebounds, one assist, and two blocks. Jalen Johnson, 19 minutes, four points. Uh, Devontae Gaines, 14 minutes, four points. Maybe his biggest minute total of uh, of the last few games or, or definitely an SEC play. I think those are some of his higher minutes. Olivier Kumwa, six minutes, one point. Euros Plovsic, four minutes, no points. And uh, Drew Pember got in there just slightly, uh, but then came right back out. No, less than uh, one minute recorded and no points. But uh, Tennessee uh, had 15 turnovers on the night. That's still a, a focus point, still a worry point for me. Uh, but Tennessee's got to clean that up and, and get on with the show. In the first half from the floor, they shot 33% and still was in a tied matchup. Second half, they really improved that, take better shots. Shot selection or shot total was down, but shot selection was a lot better. 12 of 23 from the floor for 52%. From the three-point line, the first half, two of 10, not their best output. But in the second half, knocked down a couple big ones uh, to finish the night. Four of 16, which is eerie because that's what Vandy finished, uh, but uh, a little bit worse percentage uh, or a little bit worse uh, for the wear on the on the percentage for for Tennessee uh, from the free throw line, Tennessee finished the night eighty six point four percent, eight of ten in the first half, and eleven of twelve in the second half. Down the stretch, when needed, uh, they were able to knock those down. I know Fulkerson knocked down I think five of six uh, down the stretch, and 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 then and then Jordan Bowden a perfect seven of seven. Uh, I thought some key points, second chance points, eight. Again, that wins the basketball game and points off turnover 13. Both of those numbers are huge because you got to force them, but then you got to do something with it. It's it's just like in football. Anybody who wants to to kind of parallel these things, it's it's one thing to get a fumble. It's one thing to get a pick, but it's another thing to go three and out and give it right back to them. You got to make those situations pay. You got to make faults bigger than what they are, and I think Tennessee has to learn how to do that almost on the fly as they're going to have a deep stretch coming up here in the next five games. Next game for the Big Orange, we'll talk about it again on Friday, but number 13 Auburn hosts the Big Orange in Auburn on the Plains. It'll be a CBS noon start time, and uh, and Bruce Pearl and the Auburn Tigers are a good basketball team. They play a physical brand of defense, and I think the youth of Tennessee is going to be tested and tested early uh, in this matchup, but I think Tennessee's put themselves in this position and you've got to go down there and leave it all laying out. You went on the road just just a few days ago and and let one get away, and I think you need to carry that to Auburn and see if you can't bring a little success back to Knoxville. But I think Auburn's the next docket, and you don't look much farther than that. There is Arkansas, there there is Florida, Kentucky, and another trip or another visit from Auburn. But you worry about noon on Saturday. Santiago Vescovi can't be the greatest player on March the 7th if he's not pretty good on February 22nd. Eve Pons can't block a shot at Kentucky if he doesn't try to get a block at Auburn. John Fulkerson can't play his heart out uh, in Arkansas, in Fayetteville, unless he does what he needs to do Saturday. Noon tip, number 13 Auburn at their place. Tennessee's got a five-game stretch to try to make it into a postseason bid of some sort, whether that's NIT, whether that's NCAA. I think these kids just need extra practices 
and it all starts trying to get to a mix. I think they have to win one of these last five games to get NIT bound, and I think if they could go on a run, we could still have a slight crease in a door that gets us to the to the big dance to the NCAA. But we'll uh, we'll do that game at a time, just like the Vols need to do on their end. But let's take us a quick break. Listen to these fine sponsors. If you like what you're hearing, check us out, thegrindonsports.com. Or you can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, The Grind On Sports. Check us out. You can like us. You can hear it anytime you want to do it. But let's take a break, listen, and you'll we'll be back. And we'll talk a little bit more about the sports of the day. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Grind. Hometown alternative to Ordinary Sports Radio, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, Rocky Top Sports. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. El Jimador Mexican Grill, authentic Mexican food in Maryville, Tennessee for the past 15 years. Open Sunday through Thursday, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Friday and Saturday, 11 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. El Jimador offers Monday through Friday lunch specials with their 15 minutes or free guarantee. Call your order in at 865-681-6040 and delivery is available. You'll enjoy a comfortable environment while gathering with family and friends at El Jimador Mexican Grill, located at 1705 East Lamar Alexander Parkway in Maryville, Tennessee. El Jimador Mexican Grill, a proud sponsor of Blunt County Sports. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. Rural King has the lowest prices on everyday household items. This week's Rudy special is a 12-pack of toilet paper or a 6-pack of paper towels for just $2.77. Compare that to $3.99 at the other guys. Get 175 ounces of extra laundry detergent, now just $4.99. And check out the heavy-duty mat that's 3 foot by 4 foot for just $12.98. But hurry in, these are while supplies last. Check out the huge selection and lowest prices every day at Rural King, America's farm and home store. This is Wayne Kaiser, host of Rocky Top Sports, sports radio show, The Grind. If you're looking for a way to catch The Grind not in its normal programming, if you can't make that six to seven hour, check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. It's the hub for everything The Grind. We've got Twitter feed, Facebook feed, and of course, SoundCloud. If you miss a show, you don't have to miss it forever. Check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. 
to celebrate 100 years of outstanding economic progress in the Blount County community, the Blount Chamber is pulling out all the stops by bringing in America's number one corporate and private party band, Party on the Moon, to the new event venue at the Airport Hilton on Saturday, March 7th for their anniversary celebration concert and dinner. The anniversary celebration kicks off from 6 to 7 with a lively cocktail hour of music and interactive displays, followed by an outstanding buffet and three hours of non-stop performance by Party on the Moon, the 13-member band. No stuffy speeches, this live band has something for everyone. General admission tickets to the event are $100 each and can be purchased by calling 865-983-2241 or online at bluntchamber.com. The Hilton is offering discounted hotel room rates of $99 for members wishing to stay overnight, group rates of $500 for six admission tickets, and $1,000 table rates for 10 tickets. For detailed information, visit bluntchamber.com. Custom shirts, vinyl decals, and all things custom printing. That's what Night Shift Printing brings your way. If you need custom printed accessories, check out my man Jacob Carter of Night Shift Printing. You can contact them direct 321-6845 or via email at nightshiftprinting at gmail.com. That's K-N-I-G-H-T, shiftprinting at gmail.com. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram. You don't want to miss it. It's well worth it. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is Sports Radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM, Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to the Wednesday edition of The Grind. As we, we kind of switch gears, go from the, the hardwood to the diamond, LeBron James, and I know that that usually stays with the hardwood, calls out Rob Manfred, the MLB's commissioner, over handling of the Astros scandal, says fix this for the sake of sports. Uh, this article brought out by the ESPN News Group as L.A. Lakers star LeBron James on Tuesday weighed in uh, on Rob Manfred's handling of the situation, urging the commish to fix this for the sake of sports. He said, listen, I know I don't play baseball, but I am in the sports. I am in sports and know if someone cheated me out of winning the title and I found out about it, I would be blank irate. I mean, like uncontrollable about what I would would or could do, exclamation point. James wrote on Twitter, listen here, baseball commission, listen to your players speaking today about how disgusted, mad, hurt, broken about this they are. He said, literally the ball is in your court, or should I say field, and you need to fix this for the sake of sports. And he has hashtag just my thoughts coming from a sports junkie regardless of my own sport I play. Maybe the longest hashtag I've ever seen. But nonetheless, his hashtag game's about like mine. Not real good. Uh, James joined a growing chorus of players who have called out cheating Astros and Manfred, among them Cody Bellinger and Justin Turner, whose Dodgers lost the 2017 World Series to those Astros in seven games. Three-time American League MVP Mike Trout from Crosstown Angels and Yankee slugger Aaron Judge 
who finished as runner-up to Astros second baseman Jose Altuve in the 2017 AL MVP voting. Uh, A league investigation confirmed that the Astros cheated by using a camera-based sign-stealing system during the regular season and playoffs of their World Series winning 2017 season and during part of the 2018 regular season. Major League Baseball announced its discipline of the team last month, suspending general manager Jeff Luno and manager A.J. Hinch for the 2020 season, stripping the organization of four draft picks and levying a $5 million fine. Both Leno and Hinch were fired by owner Jim Crane after the announcement. The only player mentioned in the report was since-retired Carlos Beltran, who has lost his job managing the New York Mets in the fallout from said scandal. No other players have been punished because Manfred promised them immunity as part of the league's investigation, and there are no plans to strip the Astros of their 2017 World Series. Decisions that has has obviously gotten some widespread criticism from the sports community. Uh, Manfred in recent days defended his punishment of the Astros, but he came under fire by characterizing the World Series trophy as a piece of metal during an interview with ESPN's Carl Ravitch. Manfred on Tuesday apologized for doing that in a disrespectful way. He said, I've all awarded five World Series trophies. There is no greater pleasure in this job than awarding that trophy. I understand what it means, and again, it was a mistake to say what I said. Here's here's the thing. One, LeBron's got to know, and, and I'm a big LeBron fan, but, but LeBron's got to know, what's he accomplishing here? I mean, he's a Cleveland Indians fan. I don't know that that accomplishes anything for him. Uh, but I understand that right's right and wrong's wrong. And, and, and I, I, it's weird. I'm, I'm, I'm in many different facets of this situation. So one, I'm a set an example. I'm a create this version of SMU. And, and if you don't know what I'm saying, the pony excess paying players, they they shut the program down. Death penalty, the one that happened and that'll never happen again. I think they got to tread lightly. And and I thought Manfred did a good job a few days ago of, of really talking about this, about precedent. And what you do dictates how the next situation will be will be dealt with. And it dictates how communication will flow in the next situation. And it, and it's a trickle-down effect that you don't see now but you ultimately see later. So he came out and gave the players immunity in in exchange for good back-and-forth commentary, like truthful discussion about what happened. And and if if he changes this, if he strips the, the organization of the World Series, if he takes the players down and, and, and punishes those guys, they will never have a successful investigation again. I mean, that's point blank over and done with. If you don't do what you say you're going to do and you punish people, not that anybody in baseball is going to say that that it was wrong for you to do that. And people will argue that all day long. Is no, that's the right thing to do. That's what he should do. But the next time that he says, hey, if you'll tell me what you what you know, I won't punish you for it. 
Are you going to believe him then? Are you going to believe Major League Baseball, whether he's there or not? Hopefully that the, the situation doesn't come up during his tenure again. Hopefully he's, he's kind of nipped that in the bud. But the chances of, of that happening are very slim. The chances of there being no investigation, the chances of, of if you do this, what the repercussion is, is huge. So as much as Rob Manfred would love for his name not to be drugged through ESPN articles, through, through all sports media articles, I think he's going to have to eat it. And I think he knows that. I think that's why he's not he's not done anything and he's not, not pulled back uh, what you have. I understand, to a point, the Cody Bellinger, uh, the comments. I understand the Aaron Judge comments. I'm a big Yankees fan, so yeah. Do I think uh, Altuve would have would have beaten Judge in in retrospect? Maybe not, but he made the deal. You, you know what I'm saying? He he played with inside the game that 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 Manfred laid down. He told the truth. I have immunity. Period. I think the 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 fallout of him flipping switch would be well more than what it is right now. Honestly, I don't think you'll see it. I don't think you would see it because it's going to come the next time they need information. It's going to come the next time that that situations get hairy and, and then they need truth because it's not going to happen. And maybe people think I'm wrong, and I hope I hope I am because I think right and right is right and wrong is wrong, and I think if you cheated to win a championship, then you shouldn't win the championship. But, but, in effort to get to the bottom of it, they had to give up something. And what they gave up was the opportunity to, to, to indict these players. What they gave up was the chance to fix and to, to levy punishment on players because they gave them immunity for, communi- well, for cooperating and communicating within the investigation. I don't think he can go back. I hope I hope I'm wrong, but it, and if you think I am, give us a call. Uh, 865-983-4310. I'd love to hear another side of this because in my mind, and I'm a precedent guy too. I'm a do things the way you want to do them every single time. And now Manfred might say, "Well, we don't want to investigate every single time." But I think you have to understand what you're giving up to what you're getting. And I'm, I'm not here to, 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 I guess, navigate whether it was worth it to get the truth, to, to stop the sign stealing, uh, to, to, not, to not indict any players. I still don't know why you can't take the World Series trophy. I understand player immunity, but I don't think you signed anything with the, the Astros that said, if you'll say you were, you know, you were bad, then we'll we'll uh, we'll let you keep the trophy. One because it has about as I mean it's worth its weight in metal. It's not a, and, and I'm not trashing the trophy or whatever, but I saw a T-shirt at Ross here in good old good old Alcoa of Houston Astros 2017 World Series championship and it was 4.99. Any other time, just because I'm a. I'm a I'm a keepsake guy of championship level play and what have you. Any other time, four ninety nine for a t shirt like that, I wouldn't wear it because I'm not an Astros fan, but I would have it 
because it represented it had players' names and what have you of a championship-level team. And I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it because that wasn't a championship-level team. That was a team – I mean, I, I'm just telling you, if I go down if I go down to, to I don't know, pick, pick any long stretch of highway that you can drag race on, I wouldn't condone it, but I'm talking – and you give me a NASCAR car and you, you have this other guy with a little stock car off, off a lot. I don't think that makes me a really good driver. I think that just makes me a really good, a really good talker or a really good cheater. And so in that respect, that's why I didn't buy the t-shirt is because I don't care how long you let that, that world series trophy sit in Houston. I don't care how many people you don't get in trouble over this situation 2017 has zero value in sports history right now for baseball for baseball let me let me validate that it's one of those deals where Manfred can can say that he's keeping a a standard but at the end of the day on that note I understand the players side I, I completely understand the players side because that's that's you know that's that whole trust conversation. That's that whole what you say you do, you need to do. But what I'm saying is, and, and I'm kind of trying to trying to encapsulate a lot of stuff right here. What I'm saying here is sometimes you're only as good as your word, but then on the flip side of it is you're only – I think Mike Leach put it as good as anybody has, and I've used it at home with my little boys. They said, how do you, you know, how do you discipline players or how do you get them in the mindset to do what you ask them to do? And he simply said, you have to make it really inconvenient to not do it that way. And to me, that, that is the, the end all greatest thing ever. It didn't, he didn't say that you had to, you had to rule with an iron fist. He didn't say you had to scream at people. He didn't say you had to fire anybody. He said, make it really inconvenient for them not to do it. So, in my opinion, at an organizational level, I, I don't think there was anything. I mean, the use of technology is already banned. The use of, of technology is already a thing. So, the fact that they missed that side of it, I think they should strip the trophy. Now, does that give it to the Dodgers? No. Does that do anything? No. But here's the deal. It makes it to where Houston doesn't have a paperweight sitting in their trophy case because nobody looks at that and goes, wow, look at that. That's a World Series championship. They look and say, look what they stole. Look what they faked and got. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's not the case at all. Maybe everybody goes, it's still the trophy. They still played the games. They still hit the ball. No big deal. Again, there's there's two sides to every coin. There's that that ebb and flow to to the steroid era, PEDs, the whole deal. So maybe this conversation is the same token. But in my mind, I go to Houston. I see that trophy. I'm going to go, huh, you remember that? That's when Altuve was holding his jersey because he didn't want it ripped off for unknown reasons. That's that same year that uh, that they had the cameras at the home games and, and Altuve won AL 
uh, MVP over Aaron Judge. Did he win it? Did he not? We don't know. We know he had something that Aaron Judge didn't. So I think all of that taken into account makes it to where he should further punish the organization. I understand, and I'll continue to circle back to this wagon. You you had to pay the piper somewhere. You gave the players immunity. That's over and done with. You know, if Cody Bellinger doesn't like it, he, he's going to have to take it up with the Players Association. If if Judge gets mad, he's got to take it up with the players. I get it. But World Series championships, league trophies, that's a different animal. You know what I'm saying? That's voting without all the information. And I understand, you know, it's kind of like it, it, it's like buying stuff at a yard sale. No returns. No, no redos. Unless it's the state of Florida. But anyway... Uh, I digress, but here's the deal. That's where the the conversation needs to spin. The player deal's done. If he backs out of this, he is never to be trusted again. Never again will things get found out. It will be the, the tightest brotherhood you've ever found that will never give up another team. World Series championships, MVP trophies be danged. It ain't happening because Cat lied to me. He told me no punishment, now I'm punished, game over, never to be done again. It's my opinion. But I think on the, the organizational level, he does have some work to do. I think he can change some things there. And I think if nothing else, you take that trophy away from him. You leave a hole in their trophy case that they've built a they've built a – a memorial around that they've built a a show place around that they bring fans in to see that you take that away because they didn't earn it they stole it and i think at that rate that that resounds way more uh to to an organization i think that resounds a whole lot more to players and i think ultimately that tells them straight up don't mess with it play baseball Hit the ball when you you can, and you know what? If you can't, work harder, period. End of story, over with, and done. But I think LeBron came out making his comments because he's a leader in sports, and I think he has an opinion uh, that that some uh, would agree with, but I think at the same rate, he needs to kind of do what he says, stay in his lane, give an opinion, and then back away. But let's take our last break of the day. Listen to these fine sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk about somebody stepping away and maybe not on their own accord. John Beeline uh, quickly into Cleveland and quickly out of Cleveland. They're going to have to start their own jersey of coaches that have come and went post-LeBron era. It's, uh, It's added another name to the list, and Bickerstaff is the new coach for the Cleveland Cavaliers. We'll talk about Beeline out and what he will do from here on the flip side of the break. You're listening to The Grind, WKVL, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, and streaming at WKVL.com. We'll be right back.
Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. As the demand for a more skilled and technologically advanced workforce has grown in Blunt County over the last decade, a driving force to get more young adults trained to work with our local companies and businesses is the Blunt Partnership. The Blunt Partnership has created working relationships between the public schools and industries to develop education initiatives that prepare an upcoming workforce with the skills needed for them to succeed and build a career. To learn more about these strategies, log on to BluntPartnership.com. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. Whitlock & Company Certified Public Accountants features accounting services for individuals and businesses. Serving Blunt County for over 30 years, everything from income tax preparation services to personalized accounting plans for small businesses and large corporations with over 100 employees for a full range of accounting services including payroll processing, bookkeeping, individual and business tax returns, compilation review and assurance services. It's Whitlock and Company, PC, 375 Fountain View Circle in Alcoa, Tennessee, 37701. Phone 865-984-1040 or 865-981-9638 or visit Whitlock and Company online at whitlockcpa.com. This is Wayne Kaiser, host of Rocky Top Sports, sports radio show, The Grind. If you're looking for a way to catch The Grind, not in its normal programming, if you can't make that six to seven hour, check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. It's the hub for everything The Grind. We've got Twitter feed, Facebook feed, and of course, SoundCloud. If you miss a show, you don't have to miss it forever. Check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. A workshop on human trafficking is presented by Natalie Ivey, Executive Director of the Community Coalition Against Human Trafficking. It'll be 10 a.m. to 12 noon, February 22nd at the Chilhowee Club, 223 Clarion Avenue in Maryville. Parking is behind the building. It's open to everyone. For more information, contact Jamie Daly at 865-661-9055. Custom shirts, vinyl decals, and all things custom printing. That's what Night Shift Printing brings your way. If you need custom printed accessories, check out my man Jacob Carter of Night Shift Printing. You can contact them direct 321-6845 or via email at nightshiftprinting at gmail.com. That's K-N-I-G-H-T, shiftprinting at gmail.com. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram. You don't want to miss it. It's well worth it. 
Rule King is proud to offer firearms and ammunition at the lowest prices every day in our stores and online at rkguns.com. And if you're at the practice range looking for consistent performance from a 9mm round, look no further than Armscore. A box of 50 115 grain full metal jacket 9mm rounds from Armscore is just $8.99. Check out rkguns.com for an amazing selection because firearms and ammunition will continue to be a part of an important American tradition at Rule King, America's farm and home store. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is Sports Radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM. Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKVL studios here at Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to the Wednesday edition of The Grind. Last topic of the day, as we've got about maybe 10 minutes to talk it, John Beeline, former Michigan head basketball coach, current, I guess, at the, still at the moment, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers head basketball coach, announced late, late last night that after a brief and really rocky road tenure, He'll be leaving the Cleveland Cavaliers, as a league source tells ESPN. The Cavaliers are promoting associate head coach J.B. Bickerstaff to become the full-time head coach, and he'll return, run his first practice Wednesday afternoon. Beeline 67 expected to say goodbye to staff and players late Wednesday. Glad they got to hear about it from Ward Joukowsky, but uh, said he'll, he'll talk to them as they return from the All-Star break. And uh, Beeline and the Cavs negotiated a financial settlement that will pay him a portion of the remaining money on his 19 and 20 contract. Uh, he left the University of Michigan and signed a five-year contract uh, with Cleveland that included a team option for the final season, a deal that paid him more than four mil a season. Beeline struggling to connect with the NBA players was never able to implement his offense uh, at the pro level. He he kind of he kind of went down that same road a lot of coaches have went that tried to make the jump in the fact that the comments are made that they can't they can't relate they talk down to them or the perceived as uh, a lot of players uh, tune tuned him out uh, as he as he uses a uh, a loud screaming uh, mindset a players believe Beeline was treating them as young college athletes not as professionals League sources said Beeline struggled with the stress of losing games and the lack of control he felt in the locker room. Uh, the organization largely wanted him to just concentrate on developing the talent on the roster and not putting it where it needs to be. Bickerstaff was hired as part of an eventual succession plan with Beeline, who came to the NBA after 40-plus years in college basketball. That evaluation came much sooner than inspected, expected after Beeline was hired just this past spring, Cavalier general manager Kobe Altman and Beeline began discussing the possibility of the coach stepping down before the beginning of the All-Star break last week. Cleveland ownership and management has, has had been determined to see through a difficult start with Beeline, but it became increasingly apparent uh, to the front office and the coach that the partnership was headed to an inevitable split. Friends and associates of Beeline has described him as unhappy, even miserable at times, 
with the move to Cleveland and the Cavaliers. The losing that comes with a rebuild as well as several skirmishes in public and private with players have have played a part in the rapid deterioration of his tenure, a source said told ESPN. Uh, Beeline had to apologize to to his team after a January team meeting in which he referred to his players as no longer playing as a bunch of thugs. Maybe I get it. Uh, Cleveland, Cleveland's 14-40 and 40 record is the worst record in the Eastern Conference and second worst in the NBA, ahead of only the Golden State Warriors, who sit at 12-43. and 43. Management expected the team to lose a significant amount of games as it turned towards rebuilding its roster around a younger core. But Beeline had several missteps along the way, that shook the players' confidence in him uh, as they, they also continue to, to work through it. Altman had hired Beeline with the hopes that the coach well-regarded history as a teacher at the college level would check the Cavaliers with a strong program uh, for player development and, and have his storied offensive sets to fall back on. Opposing teams realized early that Beeline had scrapped his offense shortly into the season and had retreated to more traditional NBA sets. Beeline had sought after in the NBA, had been sought after by the NBA, discussing job opportunities with the Pistons and Hawks in recent seasons. He has a career record of 571 victories and 325 losses as a college coach as he made the NCAA tournament in his last four seasons at Michigan, including a Final Four appearance in 2017 and 2018. As the interim head coach with Houston in 15-16, Bickerstaff, the new Cavaliers coach, led the Rockets to the playoffs with a 37-34 record. In two seasons with the rebuilding Grizzlies, Bickerstaff was 15-48 as the interim, following David Fisdale's firing. Uh, And he also was part of the 33-49 season in 2018-2019. Here's the thing. John Beeline gets to be tops on a a quick departure list. Uh, Basically, he becomes the third first-year head coach in the past 30 years to coach a team's season opener and not make it through the season. Uh, of course, John Beeline, the shortest 2019-2020, Randy Ayers for the 76ers in 03 and 04, and Jerry Tar- Tarkanian uh, for the Spurs in 92 and 93. I just think this was a bad fit. And and, and honestly, I, I, don't think, I don't think there's many jumps – that can go from being a pure college coach. And when I say pure college coach, I mean you coach kids hard because they need it, because they're thinking about the wrong things, because they're they're kids. When I say pure college coach, names that don't come to mind are those that were successful at the next level. You know, Bill O'Brien. And I'm not talking like you can go back and talk about Jimmy Johnson And you can go back and talk about other guys. But I'm talking about recent last 30 years, let's say. Maybe last 40 years. And 30. Let's go 30. That takes us back to to 1990. Okay, Jimmy Johnson goes to the Cowboys. I'll give you that one. But I thought he ran a professional look at Miami. You know, he he already understood budgeting uh, when he was at Miami. I'm just going to leave that right there. But. Look at other guys that have been very successful at the college ranks and don't – I hope nobody says Barry Switzer because he, he just won with Jimmy's guys. But anyway, 
I digress. But here's the thing. You look at Steve Spurrier, not a ton of success. Even you look at Pete Carroll, who's in the league right now, not a ton of success. You look at, at Billy Donovan, maybe a little bit of success, but I thought he ran a pro situation at Florida. It's a little no-nonsense. He wasn't going to berate somebody on the sideline. Beeline would. Beeline knew what was right, and he knew when he saw wrong, and it, it made him irate. So the fact that he was going to go to the professional ranks and let people walk by him when they did something wrong or, or pull a guy uh, too early, I just I don't think that was a good fit. I don't think that was a good situation if that's what they wanted. Quite frankly, I don't know all the comments, and, and, and it seems to be there was more that we don't know than what we do. But to me, if it's based around players saying he treats me like college kids, kid, you're, you're, you're 19 years old. You're two years removed from being in high school. You are a kid. You, are, you should be a college athlete. You don't have it all figured out. You are a professional player, but you should be able to be taught. And I think that's the problem with today's athlete. When you get to the league does not mean sign the end of the book, the end, you know, listen for the credits and hope you see the 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 extra scenes at the back end of the credits. You still need to be learning. I mean, ask anybody. I mean, I'm trying to think of some some journeymen. I mean, all the ones that I, I think about are football. But, but you, you look at a lot of different guys that got better when they got to the league. I mean, heck, even Peyton Manning got better as he got to the NFL because he loved being coached. And I, I think that has become, in the NBA especially, a token comment. It's no longer being coached, it's being managed. It's knowing when to pull, when to place, what to shoot, what not to shoot. It's not developing, it's not explaining why anymore. And I'm not a John Beeline fan. I, I thought he did a good job at Michigan, obviously. But but I think his replacement is doing a really good job there, too. So so I think that that's kind of, uh, you know, who knows? Who knows if it's, the, if it's the athletes or if it's the coach. But all I can say is, is again, franchises that, that do what the Cleveland Cavaliers have done are the same reason why the Cleveland Browns are the Cleveland Browns. It's the same reason why the Cavs are, are the Cavs if you don't inject LeBron James here and there. They're ordinary because they don't see the process. They don't understand the, the plan, and they don't they don't let coaches coach. And, and like I said, that's, that, that part of it's not not just concentrated uh, to Cleveland. That, that's, that's all of professional sports. But that's a soapbox that I'll have to save for another day. We're right up here against the timeline. Jason Swain, the Swain event at the top of the hour. Don't miss that. But if you've liked what you've heard or maybe not caught the whole show, check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. We have every show there for re-air at your convenience. We've got SoundCloud feed, Facebook feed, Twitter feed. And then if you're on Instagram, you can follow us, The Grind On Sports. Also on Facebook and Twitter, The Grind On Sports. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, The Grind On Sports, or Google Play Music, The Grind On Sports. So, again, check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. We'd love to get your follow. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Again, give us a follow, give us a contact, and we'll, we'll continue to grind on. But we've hit the top of the hour. And, again, in what is a local block of sports right here on WKVL, your source for sports right here in Blount County, but we're on our way out. If you're on your way to work, 
or on your way home, take care, be safe, and yes, grind on.